We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. That isn't the time for an airing of grievances. Pro football talk. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The end of football season. Ha, ha, ha. It never ends. Mike Florio is on Twitter at Pro Football Talk. Creator and editor-in-chief of Pro Football Talk is with us on the Score Hotline. It is presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Download the Circa Sports app today. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Hello, Mike. Hey, what's up? How are you? Mike, we are really, really good. From what you've been able to figure out, was there a reunion between Kanye West and Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl? I don't I don't know. Brandon Marshall, the former receiver, not the former linebacker, made an interesting claim, and Kanye West denies it. I think it's a great story, the idea that, if it's true, Kanye purchased seats right in front of the suite. Where Taylor's, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's brilliant. But apparently, it's been denied. And I know she's got a ton of power and influence. The idea that she could have gotten Kanye West actually kicked out of the seats he purchased and also out of the stadium... Probably even she doesn't have that kind of juice yet. It's just a funny visual when you think about it, the possibility that that even could have happened. And you flash back to the MTV awards from years and years ago. But it really just illustrates that this might have been the most famous and most Hollywood biggest event type of Super Bowl yet when it came to the corporation surrounding it, everything we discuss, the celebrity power the football game was incredibly secondary. Yeah, and then it all happened for the first time ever in Las Vegas, just a few years after the NFL vowed to never do any business with Sin City. It's just amazing how it's all come together. But I agree. This feels like the highest profile, most impactful, beyond the boundaries of a football field, Super Bowl we've ever seen. And the numbers supported $123.4 million. On average, watched the game and over 200 million for the first time tuned in and watched at least some portion of it. And I still wonder if 200 million watched at least some portion of the game. What in the hell were the other 140 million people in the country doing? Yeah, that's always the the great question, right? It's like five out of six dentists recommend this. Well, what happened to the sixth <laughs> dentist? But it 
it really was to me a uh, I think it was the cap or the icing on the cake of what we've seen in the NFL when it comes to the event business and how they've really married events and sports. I feel like it started with the draft. We saw it clearly amp up with the Super Bowl. And and you see the combine now is, is something else that's being reinvented as more of a convention, as we've talked about. They are, I think, setting the trend when it comes to how they're showing off these these events that we always took as our own as sports fans, but they're trying to get so many more people involved to make it a bigger deal. Well, and look, it's one thing to make the biggest events of the season even bigger, like they do with the Super Bowl. It's another thing to take these off-season, made-for-TV, show-about-nothing events and make them tentpole activities where we all gather and we all focus, and it's ultimately meaningless to winning football games, the draft, the combine. Now, free agency, that's another tentpole event that they've made into a thing. And I know it's all part of the building blocks to get your teams ready, but it's completely unrelated to the games. They know how to take the offseason and turn it into a thing. I mean, we're going to be in Indianapolis in two weeks. It starts moving quickly. Scouting combine, free agency, the draft, and offseason workouts, and it just goes and goes and goes. I was very pleased to see this uh, written up by Michael David Smith on your website today. I predicted this on Monday, and I was certain that this was going to happen, that Travis Kelsey called his actions definitely unacceptable. I can't get that fired up to the point where bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. He said if Reed had gone back at him, it would have been fair. He said, I deserve it. If he would have cold cocked me in the face, I would have just ate it. I would have been like, let's effing go. So that is probably the most Travis Kelsey way of saying I'm sorry. But I'm glad that he did, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was clearly over the line. And his brother Jason in that New Heights podcast episode was holding him accountable for it. You can't do it. To his credit, though. Andy Reid didn't get upset. He didn't cut off his nose to spite his face. He didn't park Travis Kelsey on the sideline for the rest of the game. Remember Super Bowl 52 and nobody understood why Malcolm Butler, the Patriots cornerback, wasn't playing in the game. He apparently did something he shouldn't have done. We still don't know what it was. But there are moments that are appropriate for punishment and for accountability. You don't take action against somebody in the Super Bowl in a way that prevents your opportunity to win another one. And when you consider what a shootout that Eagles-Patriots game was, you could argue if Malcolm Butler had played in that game, maybe the Patriots win. And maybe Tom Brady has eight now instead of seven. And maybe the Patriots have seven instead of six. So by looking the other way, by letting it slide off his back, by allowing Travis Kelsey to process his frustration and get refocused for the second half of the game, that was one of the reasons why the Chiefs ended up winning. Mike, in your opinion, how far ahead is the combination of Mahomes and Reed to other coach-quarterback combinations in the league? It's not even close. And for Mahomes, the greatness comes from how he plays in single-elimination settings, how he plays when it's a clutch moment in a winner-go-home game, and how he has no qualms about grabbing the brass ring when it's right there. There have been some failures. He lost to Tom Brady 
in the 2018 AFC Championship under the old overtime rules because the Patriots won the toss and scored a touchdown, and that was that. He lost in Super Bowl 55 when he had poor blocking, when he had a toe that needed to be surgically repaired, and when Tom Brady, when given the opportunity to go up in the first half more than 10 to 3, like the 49ers had this past weekend, Brady was up 21-6 at the half, and that was that for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then up 21-3 at the half, or close to the end of the half against the Bengals, they got cute and they blew another chance to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they could be six for six in Super Bowl appearances. They could be six for six in Super Bowl wins. And this guy's only going to get better. And now they've got this mountain that they're two-thirds of the way to the top, first team ever to win three Super Bowls in a row. I think they're going to even be, be even better next year than they were this year. It's it's just all uh, so fun to think about when you consider how we all thought about them in the middle of the season. I also want to point out this. I still, a couple days later, can't get over the fact that for, for all the praise I gave a coach like Kyle Shanahan, for example, that the rules were this discussed. When in the NFL practices, they they keep everybody from watching every tiny thing and yet somehow the obvious was the gray area that might have bit them in the butt on this. What fascinates me is the difference between how the 49ers handled it and how the Chiefs handled it. Not just the standpoint of the 49ers decided we want the ball and the Chiefs decided we're going to kick. The Chiefs got the word out to the players. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give them the ball. And if they score a touchdown, we're going to drive down and we're going to score a touchdown. And we're going to go for two. There's not going to be a sudden death. There's not going to be a third possession. That's what Kyle Shanahan claimed he wanted. And this was all predetermined by the analytics group within the 49ers. And this gets back to that whole issue of how much influence analytics personnel have with teams. And they have a lot. And I personally believe, even if he'll never admit this, even if he doesn't even realize it consciously, I think what Kyle Shanahan decided to do was run the risk of being criticized by us in the media and by others on the outside by going along with the analytics assessment and having it not work over defying the numbers that were crunched by the analytics crowd in the building and saying, we appreciate your effort, we appreciate your math, but I'm going to go ahead and kick here. I don't want Patrick Mahomes to have the ball second. I don't want to gift wrap for him a chance to go out and make his legend even stronger than it is. I think Kyle was concerned if he had gone against the analytics and if it had failed, he'd have to worry about those folks chattering in the organization while Kyle's busting his butt to get ready for the next season, talking about him to Jed York, saying, well, I can't believe he didn't listen to us. We would have won the Super Bowl if he just listened to us. That's a very real dynamic in an organization. The coach worries about who's saying what to the owners. You don't want to give a, a big chunk of red meat to the analytics people to talk crap about you all offseason long. I think at some level that influenced him to go with what the analytics people said, even though I think you have to have a tweak in the formula for facing Patrick Mahomes. Any other quarterback, fine. When it's Patrick Mahomes, you don't want to give him that second possession after you've scored a field goal or a touchdown. I think it's even more simple, Mike. We are familiar with shortcuts here on coaching staffs in Chicago. And when you are not just the head coach, you are also the offensive coordinator. It seems like this might be a glaring example of when that might have bit you. Well, that's right, because there wasn't a whole lot of time spent talking to the team about it. 
There wasn't buy-in. That's the thing that impressed me about the Chiefs. You know, they have fun. They have players involved. Players suggest plays. Players know what's going on. So they have a neat plan for what's going to happen if we get to overtime in the Super Bowl. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to go for the win. We're not, we're, we, if we get the, we want them to take the ball and we want them to shoot their shot. And then we're going to go do whatever we have to do to win the game. And that's what we're going to do. And everybody's on board with it and they're all fired up by it. And they're all kind of looking forward to the possibility. So when it came, all the Chiefs players knew exactly what was going to happen. And the 49ers players were in the dark because it's almost like Shanahan treated it like a need to know type thing. The players don't need to know until it's time to start overtime. Another story on your site today about the XFL kickoff rule and whether or not it would have the votes to pass among owners, competition committee, else uh, anybody else making that decision. I always am interested in this because I want to know what's keeping the kickoff in the game. It's clearly vestigial. It is Everybody knows we now have an opening touchback, essentially. They don't want it because of injury issues. Why... Are there still enough votes to keep the kickoff as is or keep it at all? They can't come up with something better. And the way that it was explained to me, I get the impression that the football people don't want the XFL kickoff, but others in the organization. There's a lot of non-football people that make football decisions. They're the ones pushing for the XFL kickoff because it makes the kickoff return relevant again. For the first time in 58 Super Bowls, there wasn't a single kickoff return in the entire game and into overtime, not one. So it is a waste of time. It is basically, you know, just put the ball in the 25. The only problem is what do you do about onside kicks? But the way it is now, onside kicks are rarely recovered anyway. So I think unless they come up with something better that makes the kickoff return relevant again, at some point we're going to see the ball get spotted on the 25, and then under certain circumstances – a team that would be trying an onside kick has to convert a fourth and 15 play to retain possession. And that creates a whole host of potential unintended consequences as well. But that's the only way to simulate the ability of a team that's trailing by multiple scores to make it a game late. Mike, what's up with Brandon Ayuk in the Niners? Well, he's entering his fifth year option. And he had some comments yesterday about what he's expecting and what may play out. And if they don't want to pay him, he's going to want to go elsewhere. And the 49ers want to try to keep him around. Here's the issue as it relates to receivers now. There are so many very good receivers who are coming out in the draft every year. It's almost like the running back position was. However, there are certain receivers that I think are above and beyond the average replacement receiver, whatever analytics term you want to use to say, why do we want to pay $25 million a year to this guy? We can go out and draft somebody who dollar for dollar is a much better value on a rookie wage scale contract in round one, round two, round three, whatever. So who are the receivers that truly justify $30 million or more per year? Does Brandon Ayuk fall into that category? Or do the 49ers say, hey, Brandon, we're just going to move on? And the question becomes, will he play under his fifth-year option or will he demand a trade to a team that will pay him I feel like it could go either way right now, and a lot of it depends upon whether or not the 49ers want to step up and pay him, but I don't get the impression they want to set market rates for Brandon Ike. Okay, Mike, I just want to know, what is your big story that you're following, or what's the one that has the most intrigue to you at this time now that the Super Bowl is over? What intrigues you the most? Well, I really want to know what the Vikings are going to do with Kirk Cousins. Because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They have nothing they can do to keep him from hitting the market short of re-signing him. 
And the window is wide open now to re-sign him. And I interviewed him last week at the Super Bowl along with K.J. Osborne. They're both going to be free agents. Had a chance to talk to him a little bit afterward. Met his wife, Julie. Had a chance to talk to her a little bit. And I don't know what the Vikings really want to do. But if they are going to just sit back and wait and see what someone else offers and then say, we'll match it, that's going to be too late. He could end up in Atlanta. He could end up maybe in Pittsburgh. He could end up deciding, you know what? I'm sorry. I know you're going to be willing to pay me as much as another team will, but you should have done it sooner. I think the Vikings are making a mistake by letting this play out the way they are if they truly want to keep it. What are you hearing, if anything, about the Bears, the quarterbacks, the anything already stirring around the combine of who's being scouted, who's on the radar? Because this city is, <laughs> Mike, any little crumb, the tiniest, tiniest speck of anything that feels like new information has everyone ravenous. Well, yeah, there was the report over the weekend that the Bears would want some sort of a historic haul if they move out of the number one overall pick. Now, a lot of it depends upon what other spot in round one this year they would get. If it's a flip-flop one and two with the commanders, presumably it takes less on top of that than going down to eight, nine, or 10. The one wild card in all this is what does Caleb Williams want? If he's the presumed number one overall pick, and for now, that's where all signs are pointing. If you're going to trade up into that spot, you better be damn sure he wants to play for you. And if he decides to exert any leverage over this situation, you know, if he goes to a new team other than the Bears, if the Bears are going to trade that pick, does he really want to go to that team having it give up all these picks that could help him have a competitive team around him? It gets back to something I said a couple of weeks ago. If Cliff Kingsbury's presence in Washington makes him want to go there, it doesn't necessarily have to be a trade. He can just make it clear to the Bears, I'm not going to sign with you. I'm not going to play for you. Go ahead and pick me. I'm not going to show up. I got enough money in the bank and I'll sit out. And then the Bears pivot to somebody else and the commanders get Caleb Williams without even having to trade for him. I think the things that might be happening behind the scenes that we might never know about, that's what's going to be fascinating moving forward. Do we know that, though, or is that pure speculation? Because everything that I hear is there is actually no hard evidence that he is at any point considering saying that to whoever would draft him. Well, the time hasn't come to say it. And what you want to ask yourself if you're Caleb Williams, how do you play this? Do you try to play it subtly or do you go public with it like Eli Manning did and John Elway did 20 years before him? You know, Robert Griffin III back in 2012 wanted nothing to do with the Colts. Now the Colts had Andrew Luck, but they wanted to do their due diligence between Andrew Luck and RG3. RG3 said, you know, they invited him to go for a private visit to Indianapolis. He didn't go. He didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to Washington, and it worked out. Now, could he have, if he was motivated to change the Colts' mind, could he have convinced them to take him instead of luck? I don't know. But there are ways that a quarterback can send messages without having to be the bad guy. That's the problem. The fans have yet to understand and accept the ability of players, certain players, not all of them, but some, one or two every year, to push back against this notion that it's an honor and a privilege to be drafted. I think there's a way to play it discreetly where you can scare the bears off without having to embarrass them publicly. And again, that's something that would play out behind the scenes. And the first tangible evidence of it would be reports that, Hey, you know what? Now that the bears are taking a closer look at the quarterbacks, they're smitten with Drake may, or they're smitten with Jaden Daniels. 
and they decided Caleb Williams isn't the guy they thought he was going to be. I think that would be the first shred of evidence that they've been persuaded to back off from Caleb Williams if the message to the Bears is, I don't want to go there. At, at this point, we don't know any of that. After we get to Indianapolis and go through the scouting combine, maybe we'll start to get some breadcrumbs we can piece together. Mike, thanks as always. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Have a great week. That is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. He's great. Not wanting to scare the Bears, but also not embarrass them publicly. Not only is the most sad thing to say, but it also might be an actual way to deal with, you know, actual Bears. Yes. <laughs> don't embarrass them publicly. I Look, was like, there's a, there's a lot there in that statement. I don't think that, that at least I agree with Dan that there's been no evidence thus far that this is how Caleb Williams feels. The Bears are under no obligation to serve him. And what I mean by that is I don't it, it doesn't make sense to pick a player that doesn't want to play for you, but you can take that number one pick and trade it to whomever you want. You don't have to trade it to where Caleb Williams wants to go. Let that be the next team's problem that wants the number one pick. Then let it go and move on and build your roster if that's the case. But there's nothing saying that that's the case right now. I know we're up against it, but I will give him credit because because he was brave enough to put what he wanted out there in some ways, we are talking about what he wants. And that's why it might be a shock to the system to some people to hear that because you don't always hear it. But we are all considering what he wants to in the discussion. Absolutely. But we shouldn't – Like, I don't want him to be damned because of what's circulating around without it coming from him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, he gets he has a part in this. We moved some things around today because of some guests' schedules. So next up, we're going to hear Bears president Kevin Warren. He has been granting interviews lately because that means he has poker to play. He has lobbying to do and things to say that we can – try to scan and pick over for any deeper meaning. So we'll do that next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. 
Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. I believe it to be very true that the Bears would need historic, crazy compensation to come off one. That goes to show you how special they think Caleb Williams is. Now, I know they're not there yet. They're still trying to get to know him as a person. Lots that goes into this evaluation, but that is where it stands right now with the Bears and with Caleb Williams. If they're going to make a move, if they're going to give up on a quarterback that they believe can be a franchise quarterback, then it would take something special. And look, you never get the chance to draft number one. The fact that they got the chance to draft number one twice is just wild. Ian Rappaport on NFL Network talking about the Chicago Bears, which is what we are doing right now as well, because Kevin Warren was interviewed by our friend Jarrett Payton. It's really his NFL world. We all just live in it. On WGN, the first response that I thought was of note was Kevin Warren explaining why in the Bears stadium plans, why a fixed roof is their call and not a retractable one. Just from experience, uh, when we were building U.S. Bank Stadium uh, in Minneapolis, you know, we toured uh, every dome stadium. And one of the things that I heard uh, kind of over and over is that the majority of teams who have retractable roofs, they very rarely use them. It, it was a nice to have. And because I am budget conscious and want to make sure that we're prudent with our resources and our dollars, I think, you know, from a financial standpoint, uh, a retractable roof, it would be a nice to have. But I, I would rather make sure that we use those dollars uh, on the surrounding you know, areas or for fan amenities that they would be able to enjoy it. But that's the main reason why. And I'm a big believer uh, in, in the roof that we have in Minnesota, the ETFE, that they have a SoFi, you know, they have in Minnesota. Uh, I think it works well in, 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 our, in our, our climate in Chicago. And it makes it where the sun, you feel like you're sitting outside. So in order to do it, you know, you can't do a retractable roof with, with that ETFE. I was a little distracted by the music in the back. I don't want to talk about moving in. And I don't it was want very to melodic. Your mind. Mm-hmm. It's a, a soft hit. That's I'd really love to see you tonight. Is that the 70s by or 80s? England Dan and John Ford Coley. <laughs> do I have that? I believe that's right. Was anyone asking for a retractable roof? I was. I, I me. Wasn't. Why? Because they're fun. And I like the outdoors here. And the weather when it's good here is the best. I was, and other stadiums have it. So I will say, yes, it was me. I was asking. But he's also got a very good point. Yes. Because he's right. I I thought about this when it came to the rule, at least at NRG Stadium, that I always followed was uh, they say 85 degrees. If it's 85 degrees or below, the roof is open. But then you don't consider precipitation. You don't consider the cold like you do here Mm -hmm. and he's right think about it you only have what maximum say they say the bears go to the super bowl how many home games are you looking at you're not you're not gaining anything from a retractable right 10 11 12 maybe so then out of those 12 how many do you really think that the roof would be open here three yeah that's that's at most right and and hopefully it's september october right yeah november you're already done I mean, given our winter this year, maybe maybe all bets are off moving forward, as we know. But yeah, he has but a point. You still rather have the hard roof instead of the retractable one. It just even even in the south, you're not opening up the roof very often because of the heat. Yeah. So I've I said s- before, all football should be played in domes. 
I, but you know what? Actually, we were talking about this on the Sunday show with all of us, the Super Bowl show, where I feel like a lot of what we said came to light was how easy it was for kickers to kick at Allegiant. So you had fun watching them because they like kicking there. Set some records. Right. It, it's similar to a, uh, you know, it's similar to, to batters who like playing at certain ballparks that have domes because they can see better. They can see the ball. So I just wanted to throw that out there that it was me. And I also understand that he made a good point. So it's good to know that that's kind of in it, in in what his process is about the the stadium, and that's what he's here to do. Is he's supposed to get this stadium done? Where stadium ends up being is still moderately up for debate. You think? Yes, I do. I don't. I think that it's probably going to end up in Arlington Heights, but I wouldn't say that with a hundred percent assurity. Not a hundred percent, but it seems to me this whole effort is a long game to just make it as as budget friendly as possible for Probably. the tax bill in Arlington Heights. Probably. That's what you would expect to be the case. That's usually how things work. But it's interesting to me that there's still the that the best leverage that Kevin Warren has right now isn't other municipalities, pure plural, it's Chicago. Let's see what you make of this then. Because Kevin Warren was also asked by Jared Payton what he thinks of Justin Fields. I know from my standpoint, and I, I come to the table, I'm a um, supporter of Justin, you know, because I got a chance to work with him when I was commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. He is incredibly talented. Uh, he is smart. Uh, he works hard. And uh, he wants to be a great NFL football player. Um, and, and so now he just needs to make sure that he has the support around him. He's working hard. And then I would love to see him, you know, this offseason, make sure he's totally healthy going into the season next year. Um, you know, this is a difficult game. And if, you, and if you think about professional sports, but let's talk about professional football, it's an incredibly difficult game. And then when you think about the quarterback position, it is, it, it is it's difficult. And so, um, and it's, you know, Justin has a rare combination of intelligence, of size, of strength and speed, you forget how big of a of a man he is until you're up on him. He's not a small man, and um, and so I just think every year he's going to continually get better. Um, and um, so I'm glad he's on the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry, <laughs> that song that's playing in the background. So I was right. It is it is England Dan and John Ford Coley, and I have the album cover. <laughs> Coley is an absolute spitting image of Andy Reid <sighs> with a with long hair. <laughs> Sorry. But um, yes, I know. Justin's the quarterback and everyone loves him and that's fine. And he's not going to tip a hand. He's not going to do anything that's going to make Ryan Poles' job more difficult or compromise any of the games that he's playing right now. I mean, he didn't say the quarterback, so that's good. He didn't say we will have a plan at quarterback. Well, he's the current quarterback of the Bears under contract. I think people also forget that he went to his graduation. Kevin Warren went to Justin Fields' graduation from Ohio State last year. I would say that that's a, a huge showing of support for somebody and, and going out of your way to make sure that they know that. It, it's going to be interesting. Justin has all of the soft scouting stuff. The leadership stuff, everyone loves him in the building, supportive teammates, like all of that. Mm -hmm. 
but there's still levels for him to go on the the tangibles. Not that he doesn't have them. He just hasn't shown them to most people's level of confidence. Like, well, I feel totally confident that Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels is going to be better than than him or Drake May, whoever whoever it is that the Bears may draft at that at that position. You what they have to find out now is does Caleb Williams have the stuff that you know Justin has? Because to most on tape, they feel like there's more of the tangibles with Caleb that you can see, that you don't have to project out, that you can see that you haven't seen enough of with Justin Fields. Can I ask you a different question? And this is honestly with the the, the lively debate that we've had about what Kevin Warren is, what he isn't, what he purported to be, and what he may be. Why wouldn't he? I'm honestly asking this. I don't. This is not a rhetorical question. Asked about Justin Fields. As a Bears observer, as a fan, how would you feel if he said, Ryan Poles makes our football decisions? At the moment, we are, we, there's a lot that I'm working on beyond the, the roster of this team, and we're entering into a critical offseason, and I will defer to my, my top football person on a question like that. Because we would question it like crazy. I, but, but We I, would go... Like we would go to DefCon, I'd say. I don't too. know. Would we? I yes. I, see, I don't. I, I would because every time I hear somebody of authority defer like that, then I uh, I immediately think that something else is afoot. But it, it I, reinforces I, him as a little footbally, though, to choose to take that up. It also is him feeling confident enough in his role, and perhaps confident enough in his general manager's role, where he can give that opinion, and it's okay. He was asked an honest question and answered it, I think, honestly, when it came to his opinion on his court, the quarterback who's who's leading the team right now. Yeah, I think that it's I would be fine with him saying that because I imagine that that's actually what's happening. I, I think that he has deputized his football guy to do the football stuff while he does the building stuff. But I would be I'd be OK with him saying, like, look, my. The whole job is for me to run this entire organization. I feel great about the way that our general manager does his business. I have my opinion, and when I am asked by him, I share my opinion. But ultimately, when it comes to building the football team, I have a lot of trust in Ryan Poles. To, like that's, See, I, I, I agree I'd be with okay you. With that. I would, too, especially if he said Ryan Poles knows that he has control of the football operation. I am here to support him as he does everything possible to build a champion. Yep. I mean, I'm okay with both. I'm okay, okay with both I just thought options. I'd, I just thought I'd but ask I, it because we're still know, trying man. to figure out who does what and, and, and what, what Kevin Warren actually is. I could just see a lot of people saying when asked about the quarterback, he deferred and that, that the optics don't look great there. You don't lose anything by complimenting people, you know, especially if you're in his role. I now, when somebody asks what Scott Hagel's role is going to be in football decision-making, that's what I want to hear Kevin Warren talk about. Hey, this was in the paper last year. This isn't news. Dan Weider wrote a whole article about it.
I think there are questions that could be asked of Kevin Warren that he is not interested in answering right now. A lot. I, that's the impression I get, that there's some very tight control that is going into these availabilities. There's a lot on the business side, though, that we could still have questions about. No doubt about it, including how the stadium is coming along. We've got high noon coming up. I had a reptile story loaded up for yesterday that's been supplanted by a different reptile story. I have a sad death that is connected to the fabric of the high noon segment. I had a cripe about commercials like an old man. Sounds good. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Welcome to High Noon on your Wednesday. It's a celebratory time when you know that your your work week has peaked and things get easier from here as you head toward a weekend without football. Aww. What do we talk about? Sox, Tony La Russa, Pedro Grafal still paying fealty to Tony La Russa for some reason. Layla lamented the fact that the Cubs didn't sign Jorge Soler. I'm cool with it. I don't really think he's that good. I think that Morell is probably the same or better. We talked to Mike Florio, and we played back some Kevin Warren. It's this from CNN. William Bill Post, who helped create the Pop-Tarts, the pantry staple that reinvented breakfast for the masses, has died at the age of 96. Quote, We are deeply saddened to share the news that William Bill Post passed away over the weekend. Pop-Tarts owner, Kelanova, said in a statement, He played an important role in creating the iconic Pop-Tarts brand, and we are grateful to Bill for his legacy and lasting contributions to our company. Close quote. There's a quote in here from Bill where he said, People who enjoy the non-frosted strawberry Pop-Tarts are serial killers. Close quote. <laughs> On behalf of serial killers, he never said. That. I refute that statement. He didn't say. That. Yeah, he did. The original non-frosted strawberry pop tart puts the emphasis on the filling. However, did you know that the the non-frosted have more calories? More I don't care. You know why? Because it is right and it is just. Mm. It's it's anti-American. It's actually not. Pretty much everything about the Pop-Tart is really American. Also, post of post cereals, the other cereal that I love being Grape Nuts. Yar. I said it. No, that's correct, Yar. That's not. That's out in 2024. I thought we were only doing misplaced Yar. I think what I like to do is I th- like to throw in a correct one. Just, Just to throw people off the scent? Not throw people, you. To throw you <laughs> off the scent. I clearly know how to use Yar, but you have to choose where to use it. So all I just it. heard you say is unfrosted Pop-Tarts are the way and frosted Pop-Tarts are superfluous and everything about what you just said is incorrect. I hate you. Okay, I, I just think we can do better as Americans. 
So if you're going to get a bunch of famous people together, it doesn't have to be a reference medley commercial. You could actually have them say new things. And the new things might be funny because they're really good actors. It doesn't all have to be one huge reference to stuff. All fan service. And I know that a lot of people liked the Paramount commercial, and I thought that the concept was strong. And I love Hey Arnold as much as the next person of my age, being a elderly millennial. However, I would just like to point out that putting all of the references together doesn't mean it's good. It just means you put all of the references together. So I know that I make a lot of references, and we all do, but sometimes people can be smarter than that, and you can make them do new things that are funny. And it's just maybe slightly off of what they were already doing. And then that's your starting point. Maybe you have a better written concept, for example. So not everything has to have creed. Most things don't have to have creed. Not even the Texas Rangers, who I think could have won the World Series without it. And that commercial certainly didn't have to have it. Yeah, that didn't Is it over now? It just, like, it it just assumed we were really dumb. I don't know. Probably not. We can't get away from it. Aren't they doing a cruise or something later this year? A Creed cruise? Where you're stuck on a boat with no escape route with Creed? That's where I'm going for vacation. And I bet they actually party. Well, we know... No, you're not. Their guitarist, the Creed's lead guitarist, is now immensely successful as a Sinatra cover act. Like Atlantic City and elsewhere, he's got a gorgeous voice. And he's, I've, I've watched YouTube videos of him. I've, I've, I forgot his name, but the... the it shows how successful he is. The, but he's, he's really good. And he's worked with a backing band of people who played for Sinatra. Like, he's absolutely legit as, as a crooner. So you're telling me that talented people are just generally talented and can do other things than what you might find familiar and comfortable? Often, yes. Interesting concept. And one that should be embraced more. Yes, I like the Duncan commercial. I thought it was funny. I don't know. Dan, I got some bad news for you. We don't have time for your story. I don't have my story again? Tomorrow. And the reason why we don't have time for Dan's story is because we've got Cubs stuff. On the side. Fresh Cubs sound as they open up spring training. You're going to hear from the bosses. You're going to hear from Craig Council. And you're going to hear from Jed Hoyer. Don't go anywhere. We're going to bring that to you and react to it next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.